Hello and welcome to Rick Radio Community News Desk, episode 91. I'm Anne Rutledge. On Wednesdays and September's, a series of six public talks by Trinity people on topics from local history to ageing well took place. Here's the third in this series. Biodiversity in the city, how to build wild spaces in your area with Dr. Marcus Collier. Uh, Hopefully you'll find this interesting. Um, And uh, I want to talk about, I mean, a couple about about five, six years ago, people weren't using the phrase nature-based solutions. It was a very new phrase. And in fact, in many cases, it's still quite a new phrase. Um, and um, we were, I was fortunate enough to be linked to have led a large consortium of about almost 40 different partners across uh, Europe and also in Brazil, China, Korea, looking at how cities can renature. Basically, we're looking at not just regreening, not like putting lawns down, but renaturing, bringing nature back into the city. Now, some people now use the word rewilding as well. But they're kind of all in the same area. But I'll just talk about nature-based solutions because the the in we have with with nature, you know, to, to argue for bringing nature to cities is if it does a job for us. So if it provides a solution. So what I'm going to talk about is essentially looking at nature as a type of technology. So it's doing something. It's either, it, it, as I as you can see, it's either uh, you know keeping the heat or the noise inside a building, or it's it's you know, storing water, or um, I'll come to these slides later on, or we have different types of design, or it's, 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 it's insulating the building, or it's absorbing moisture, or it's, it's, uh, it's doing an actual physical job for us. But then during COVID, we started to get an awful lot more reports about people wanting to be green. I remember I was on, I was at, I got into a row on Pat Kenny with a lot of people who were phoning in saying, there's too, too many people in the parks, we can't keep, throughout this, this argument, too many people in the parks, we can't keep social distancing, we should close the parks. And I phoned and I said, this, this is ridiculous, you know. So I said, the way I would look at it is, it's not that there's too many people in the park, there's too few parks for the people. So just turn that around, just, just look at it from the other angle. And then that makes it a much easier way to say, well, how do we address that? Well, other cities are doing this, so why not Dublin? And in some cases, yes, it's nice to have a park, but also, Green spaces, even if you're just passing by them, and green spaces indoors as well. This is Board, this is Board Bia just up the road. Uh, you know, I- indoors actually can provide that type of. The solution here would be stress, uh, air quality, mental health, and just you know enjoying your work. And in some cases, you know, people, buildings that have large greenery inside them, the staff turnover is low, and for companies, staff turnover is incredibly expensive. So, you know, it does have financial reasons. So, nature-based solutions can look like absolutely, you were mentioning the the business uh, school just up the road there, and so on. Um, It all started, though, with the idea of what we used to call green roofs. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might have heard people talking about a green roof. Uh, In fact, the green part, the roof, the green part of it, is a plant that you might grow in your rockery. It's a stone crop, sedum. I don't know if anyone has it in rockeries. You can grow these anywhere, they will tolerate it. They grow in sand or cliffs, you know. And in fact, they're not really green. This is, this is the little, uh, they're up in sand, uh, in, uh, near Sutton. Um, it's red. So it goes red when it's had enough. That's it, I'm done. I've got enough. I'm just gonna, just not producing any more chlorophyll. I don't, I can't grow anymore. Um, and you, you can see that. And in the day gone, in days gone by, the idea of a green roof 
was like maybe 10 years ago, if someone said to you, I'm going to put a solar panel on my roof, someone's coming to some money, you know, because you, you had to import them. And now you can buy them in B&Q. So the same thing happened, has happened with nature-based like living rooms. It used to be very, very rare, and only, only like the odd company would do it. They'd bring a company from Northern Ireland to do it, or you couldn't get the plants from France or something. Now you can get them in B&Q. So that idea of uh, regularizing or making nature-based solutions uh, um, work is, 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 is starting to become more normal. However, this is just another type of lawn. They're all the same plant. You know, they do flower, they do attract bees, and they are quite nice, and they do the job. They keep the heat in, they keep the noise down. Amazingly how quiet the, 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 the room below the roof with, the, with their green roof is compared to with just tarmacadam. And they also attenuate or hold on to water, so they slow it down, like on a day like today, so it doesn't just gush out, it just slows down and it releases it slowly. So they do a great job, but that's it. So Europe once wanted us to start look at the idea of how, how do we make nature-based solutions have more benefits, more community benefits, more social benefits, and more other, other types of benefits. Or they refer to them as co-benefits, not, not just a single benefit. Um, and so people started to identify ways of making them more biodiverse. This is in Switzerland, you know, you can see them where, where you can buy them. And you know, yes, it does look like on new builds, but you can retrofit them onto old buildings as well, and you start to I'm glad that wasn't like a text coming up. Mom, where's the keys? I locked out. Um, uh, as I always get in little lectures, like, you know, do we have anything in the fridge? I'm starving. I'm um, so, you know, they, they started looking at more things. They still do the same job, but they provide more biodiversity, they sink carbon. And, uh, but they're still up out of the way, can't see them, right? They're still not really accessible to people. And, and that's the way it kind of should be for nature. If you don't really want nature, you want, it just, you want it all by itself, not people trampling on it or dogs running around it. It's fine for animals and so on, but it does, it does give more than that life. But people start to recognize, actually, there's more power in this nature-based idea. And let's do other things with it. You can grow trees. These are olive trees growing on a roof. Um, now, I don't know if they're actually growing, to be honest with you, because I think they were just plumped in there. But uh, they're very proud of this. This is in, in um, southern Italy. And they're, oh, I think it's ours of I can't remember it. But they're very proud of it. But you, you, might have, you might have seen a picture like this. Do you know what this, this building is? It's an incinerator. So it's just like the thing we have down there. Except what this is, is a living roof that was put onto it um, to, to keep, to, like, to, to work, to do the job. But it's also designed that in winter it becomes a ski run. And, and, um, and people love it. And look, look at the place it's in. It's in like our, their version of our docklands. Exactly the same. This is exactly the same. Industries leaving, places being empty, new apartments going up, you know, loads and loads of them. And, and you know, this is a free resource for all the people. And so they don't have to pay in it. They just get a little lift up and then they use it. That looks a bit funny, but um, you know, and no, you wouldn't see it from the ground, but it looks it, it looks genuinely uh, funny. But so we've gone from the idea of just a green crop, you know, boring old crop, to something much, much more multifunctional, more useful, and that's why nature-based solutions in an urban setting are are the winner. They've got a lot of a lot of potential. Being. They're not saints. Not there's 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 there are drawbacks to some of these things as well. For example, the more greenery you put into an area 
the more the housing prices go up. <laughs> Green gentrification comes in. So we saw this in our, with our colleagues in Berlin, where they went into an area <clears throat> where there's a lot of migrants living in there, and they put in new parks, new solutions, and the landlords started charging more because you know they're near green places, and you know what's going to happen next. Then the poor people to move out to somewhere like here, <laughs> or here, in the mid, out in the boondocks, and then the richer people move into the area, and it starts all over again. So there's a, there's drawbacks to some of the, the nature-based solutions, but in terms of climate change, they do have huge impacts. This area doesn't have a rain issue; it's all about heat. But these trees actually could cool the air to such an extent that the cost of cooling the, the restaurant down below is lower. So businesses can actually um, thrive in that situation. Yes, they have to pay someone to manage this, but it's exactly the same price as you'd be paying someone to manage your air conditioner. So the same, just a different company, but the same type of job, if you know what I mean, managing your air. Uh, the same with this, they have, um, this is a public uh, location, but they also can run private things as well. And, but it's also a place you can walk. It, it looks really small, but actually people walk their dogs in around here and all that. You don't have to ski if you don't want to. Um, <laughs> we took students there a couple of, uh, a couple of years ago. They are just finishing it, and they, were, they hadn't actually got the premium. So I'm just delighted to see that, the, the thing. But that's an incinerator, a waste-to-energy incinerator for, for rubbish. And um, I remember the original smell that used to be down here. I used to take <laughs> students down here. Um, it's nothing like it. There's no... I mean, it was nothing. It was a fully functioning underneath it. The roof hadn't been ready yet. So, things like that. And, and so we've gone from that to places where people can, can use them. So, you know, yes, sport is important, but like you can have other types of areas here. And there we are down in Cork, where you can take the rooftop of a, a parking garage, which has a structure, the heavy structure that can tolerate a heavy, and you can use it to grow, to grow crops. Um, for example, in, in Paris at the moment, they've constructed a like a shopping mall, which has got about two, about almost four acres of land on the roof that grows all the food that's been sold down below. And then they obviously import the difference, you know, but everything is. So, um, nice idea. Um, but the garden upstairs, the garden of the roof is used also as a park, so people can walk in it, like, a, like an arboretum, so those that don't eat the food, <laughs> don't you know? Um, and so it's, it's become a multifunctional uh, idea. So we've gone from a really boring green stuff, and now we're putting roofs on other things. Uh, it, this is, is Utrecht here, where they've gone back to the sedum roof, back to the old green. Um, and I had a big thing with the, the bus company that does our roofs here, our, our, um, our uh, shelters here. And I said, I said, look, we should do this. And the guy said, ah, no, it'll never, I can't do that. No, no, right. I said, you know, but you're the same company that makes these ones. They're exactly the same company. Like, literally the same ad shell, the same people make this. Ah, no, we couldn't do that. No, we'd have to be people on the roof, like, messing with it. And I said, well, there's people on the roof in Utrecht messing with it. But it's, then they get down. And then it grows out. Like, it's not like, it's not that they're up there camped all day long. Um, and then they've gone from that into, into looking at, you know, bicycle shelters on. The more diversity you do with this type of nature-based approach, the more companies you generate to manage them. So I was just saying before some of you came in that this is a way of transitioning, in not only making climate change the transition to the, the newer type of world, uh, pay for itself and, and actually keep the jobs that are there. So there's companies, the companies that manage these, these are landscape architects or landscapers and so on, they now have you know more people employed to do the management of this. Because obviously, the more the plants grow, the more carbon they sequester. So it's going to be taken away, otherwise the whole thing will collapse. You know, a couple of tons of carbon need to be removed. But once it's removed, it's stored. That's it, it's soil. It's, that's it, it's, it's down out of the atmosphere. 
And you add all these together, 3,000 of these bus shelters in Utrecht alone. You know, and there's one there, there's one down the street, there's one there. So if you're a pollinator, if you're a bee, you could just about make it. Birds, definitely. Butterflies, ah, come on, they're not that good. But, you know, <laughs> they could just about make it. But you twin that in with other roofs, and from, the, from, from above, the city looks less grey and looks more green. But the two things then happen. One, in cities that are very high in rainfall, that slows the rain down. And cities that are very hot, that cools them down. So you can go from 40 degrees, you see you heard about the 40 degrees in, in Europe. In a nature-based community which has got some trees but also living rooms, that can go down to about 32. You can use about 8 degrees of temperature. That's the difference between life and death for some people, certainly certain age groups and people with different abilities, and certainly with any, any chest illnesses. That's a big, big difference. So that makes the city more livable for certain people, especially in areas where there's maybe no access to parks. There's, it's just, there's just nothing. There's not, so this is the way it's now. So then we decided we would try, do you know what, could we combine this with other sustainability ideas? So solar panels. And so we put this experiment, this is in the London Olympics in 2012. So we, we built this roof here on top of the media centers. It's about six or seven stories high above the ground. And it was originally just solar panels and then the green thing there on top of it. We didn't put all those flowers in, by the way. They just arrived in later. We've got frogs up there as well, six stories high in the middle of nowhere. We actually, we don't know how they got up there. I suspect the caretaker. <laughs> Two security guards come out to smoke every so often. But we don't know. They swear wine didn't do it. And anyway, however, the problem with this is combining technologies is solar panels work at high temperature, even in our weather. But this lower, remember it does the job, it lowers the temperature. So it looks great, but they're competing with each other. So they're not as efficient when there's greenery. So there's a bit of a you know mismatch. However, other researchers have gone on here in, in um, yeah, this is in the research facility in, um, in, in Tel Aviv. I'm oh, sorry, this is Tel Aviv, right, Gordon? And they've made solar panels are higher up than plants that can grow in the shade. So the plants you normally grow in the shade in your garden if you have one. Um, and so that's been, that's been quite beneficial. So, you know, it's one of those sort of technology racing things where they develop something, then something else is a problem, and they develop another thing, and they leapfrogs each other. <clears throat> Consequently, you have your living roof, it's doing the job below, it's keeping the heat in, it's keeping the rainwater slow, uh, and, and so on. Um, I'm just going to just check my time. Will you, will you just wave at me if I just wander off the point, because I will wander off the point. <laughs> um, I, I would say the same thing for, for, for living walls, but the difference with living walls, I don't say green wall, that's a green wall, because it's one plant. But a living wall is lots of different types of plants, the way I, the way I see it. Um, and the living wall scenario, the difference between that is they can see, you can see it on the street. Roof you can't see, unless you're in a taller building looking down on it, but the green roof wall you can't see. These are fantastic at keeping heat. This is a hotel in, in London, and we use thermal scanning here to show. You can see the heat escaping through the bricks here at, 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 at 26 degrees and 13 degrees, so like 10 degrees lower, so it's insulating. And that's savings to the hotel. <coughs> this bit is just a decoration, but these two buildings here. So it actually, it, it, we have proof that they work, that the nature-based solution here works. And the only way they can manage this is by upsetting down, like, because you can't put a, a like a cherry picker on the ground because it's such a heavy traffic uh, area. So, <coughs> and because it's heavy traffic, this absorbs all the pollution and all the noise. So this is what I'd love to see on Pierce Street. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, this is what we should do. 
because it's one of the most polluted streets in, in Dublin, part of the country, and so this is what we should be doing in, in, in building. And you can do it with, you know, even buildings that are, you know, architecturally protected or, or legacy buildings. Um, this, you know, you can actually create these living different structures. This, this is an old, you know, this is about two hundred year old building. It's very close to the Eiffel Tower, so it's in a rather kind of poshy sort of, you know, we don't want to change anything area. Um, you know, Elephant and Castle here in London, very old building. But they can, this, um, you know the Mason across the way? That's the inside of the Mason Hotel. Actually, that should be, that's an in, I'm actually talking about outdoor walls, but that should be the next slide about indoor walls. But anyway, slipped in there. Um, but, uh, you know, so it can be done. You can take old buildings, and so you don't have to worry about, they're not growing up the wall from the ground. There's nothing in the ground here. They're in the wall. So if you have a special type of planter, like, a, like the plastic ones you get, but they're at an angle. You stick them onto the wall, and gravity then feeds the water down through them, uh, as, as where, if it's necessary. And then, um, and, and you can use a solar panel to pump it back up again. And you can just, once a week, you can add your nutrient in, and the, a little small device of this size can control the whole thing. It's very, very simple. Uh, even I can understand it. It's very, it's very, and the same goes with this. But the thing about these type of plants is the more diversity you have, you kind of tolerate death. See, the you know, living walls are these are dying walls. Now, who wants to pay a fortune to have a dead, you know, plants that go to seed and start dying? I mean, the person who always knows that they will regrow from the seeds that drop into the soil there, that's fine. But you know, if you think about it, at a certain part of the year, they may not be as good as absorbing noise or pollution. So, so these are not the perfect solutions, but they're much better. Uh, easier on the eyes, let's be honest with you. I know it's nice to look at. I, I have chosen pictures. I mean, there are other ones that look rather bland, um, just as bland as a brick building. But you know, um, you could you could you know, do that. Um, and then we have look, here we have Dublin Airport. They, they tried this idea, uh, and airports are using this an awful lot because the noise levels of it. So if you go to Terminal 1, stand there, and if you just if you stand in the middle of people you, and just listen, as you walk closer to it, you'll notice the noise level goes down. Um, and this is a board B again, and the door is made of moss, but this was, these are all plants. Now, this was meant to look like the world, so Russia has invaded. Uh, most of Europe. Uh, or New Zealand there is doing very well by itself. Australia, well, that doesn't look much. So, you know, America, Atlantic, and Europe have all become together, and Africa slowly disappeared. Because plants do what plants do, right? They, they just change and die, you know. Um, but in that office, it's a, it's a communal office, there's a big fight to have the desk nearest, the only door in, which would be, you know, if you're trying to work with people walking past one because the air quality is better here than at the other end of the so it's quite interesting the benefits uh, of it, you know, the co-benefits. This is one in Malta as well, which is very, very dry. But they they grown plants that are specifically able to grow in dry weather. It's a very old. It's actually like um, two buildings with the roof put over. Those glass roofs you join two buildings together. This was a laneway. Um, very, very useful. And and uh, it's it's actually people go in during the day just to kind of sit around here because it's it's cooler. It's physically cooler. Even though the windows might be open above them. Uh, then we have this. This is another airport. This is this is Malta again, and this is plastic. So you might see that what looks like a living wall, but it actually turns out to be uh, plastic. So there is another type of greenwashing where you have this sort of fake. Thing. It does this, does the job. It keeps the noise down a little bit. It's like having carpet on the wall. But 
Um, nothing, like, nothing like other types of benefits you get. So these are the living walls. Now, then you start getting into, you know, people designing them. Like, this, 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 these are, this is another living wall. These are all, you know, very, very strong. So you have to ask yourself, is it actually doing a job anymore, or is it just a fashion icon? Is it just a, is it just a trend? Um, this won an award. This is, I just got it off the internet. Like, this is a very striking thing. The problem with this is, and I've been hearing this to a colleague of mine who lives not too far from it, is there's a lot of crashes nearby. <laughs> Because people can turn the corner and oh my god, that's <laughs> and these these, these lampposts have been replaced by or this stop sign has been replaced four or five times because people can hit it. So and the same happens in the um, that hotel I showed you. A lot of tourists are looking up in the morning and they just walk out of the road and there's been a lot of near misses and a couple of actual you know injuries. People walking out. So, you know, they're not anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all that aside, I mean that's that's not any reason not to put these things in. But it's a uh, it's, it's become a, a, a kind of a, 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 a sort of an idea there that yeah, it's a little bit, you know, is it region? Is that actually doing a job for this building, or is it is it just spunked and stuck on the outside? Is it like just a decoration, a big mural? In which case, it doesn't really provide the solution it's trying to do. It has the aesthetic solution and make, makes the air quality nice, but I'm sure it makes the properties more expensive. You know, so there's a little, you know, few drawbacks to that. And then we saw it in Chelsea and some of the, the big garden shows now, people are starting to really embrace the idea of it. <clears throat> but take away the cynicism, these are companies that make, you know, who do this. And there's a if there's a market demand right now, they're filling that market demand. These are companies employing people who would otherwise be maybe plastering the building or doing other types of building, they're engineering focused. <coughs> and then the final solution I want to talk about, less glamorous, and this is in Glasgow here in London are these rain gardens. Uh, it's, it's, it's these ideas where areas are deliberately allowed to flood. On a day like today, so I tune these ones in, it's, it's a perfect idea, a perfect uh, uh, day for, for seeing how one of these would work. Um, and, you know, on a normal day, they kind of look like this. But on a day like today, that would be full of water and it gradually sinks down into the ground. But you have other types of rain gardens that are very much organized and sort of and we have it outside the Botany Building in Trinity as well. It's very, very flat. All the areas designed for water to go into the ground. I don't think it was originally actually designed for water to go the ground. It's just maybe through neglect, that's what they've done. Uh, so I think it's more accident than design than Trinity's done it. I can guarantee it's probably more accident than design. But um, in this situation, these, these, these are here for people's health, these are for recovering patients. But they also serve the purpose of absorbing moisture into the ground so that the nearby uh, river doesn't get flooded. And you, I, you were talking earlier on about how does the community benefit from this. So this is Tower Hamlets. And I, used, I showed you the bicycle thing earlier on. And what they do with Tower Hamlets is, so what we did is, um, first of all, there's a park on one side of the road, and there's, these are so, what you call social housing, corporate flats on this side of the road. And it was a quite a busy road, traffic-wise, and people couldn't get into the park. And in fact, they locked the gate. So the only way you can get in is to walk about a quarter of a mile around to get in. So the kids would be climbing. You know you see people with carjacks to, to bend the bars so the kids can get into the park. You know that's a problem. So what we did is, myself and a couple of colleagues, we went down to, there was a football match on, I think it was Chelsea or something, and we robbed all the no parking signs for the guards. We robbed a load of them. And we put them at either end of the, of the road. And left them. I just left them there. Well, I saw, oh, yes, we, we, yes, we, we bought them. And we left them there. We left them there for like two months, and nobody moved them. And for two months, people, British people, were like, oh yeah, 
we'll go around the other way. And they just left it. So then we went back to the council and we said, well, no one's using the road, so can we start putting in a nature-based solution approach? And they said, oh, all right. So this, the water comes down from the roof into these rain storage areas, which they grow plants on top of. This, the, the, the pavement was replaced to be sort of like cobble lock, which allows water to go into it. It flows down into this rain garden, which absorbs a lot of the water. Then it goes further up in, across, if, if it does overflow, it's, it's stopped at that side, but it's open. There's an opening there, so that open, allowed in. And then it, it grows, then it goes into the park when we put a new gate in, right? So all the water coming off the roof is stopped and it doesn't go into the sewage system, so they don't get flooding. And if they do get a little bit of heavy water, they don't get sewage flooding, which is what we get. We get too much water. Like, there are parts of Dublin now today that smell pretty poor because after a while, that massive amount of rain will not be absorbed. So that's what I call a real nature base. It's a, it's a double solution. And the extra solution we have here is we said to them, well, why they had a they have like a men's shed. And he said, well, what about um, managing these things? And it's not just this one, it's loads of them around the place. So they employed, they started their own company, a community, a kick, it's called Community Interest Company, CIC. And they start and they've got seed funding from the from the council. And so that they now manage, the community now manages, and two people are paid and paid full-time and four part-time. And then summertime, it goes up to six and eight. And then they manage this, and then the park next door. So, you know, I know we were saying about, like, is this going to make a lot? There's not a lot of people here. There's no website. There's no Twitter ad. Like, it's not, you know, well-known. But we do know that people use this, and it's, it's very much. The other part of all this has got huge educational value for the for people who live here. It's a lot of, most of the people who live here are not from England. They're, they're migrants. And so this is a really good way of engaging with that. Community. So other work, there's a charity called Groundwork UK who work with them on this type of thing. So we have a much more idea, better idea of the co-benefits that this is providing. Um, so this is why we're not doing it. Like this is today, it's in Trinity. You know, I mean, you could just as easily convert this. Just take out, just take that out and put it in And in you go, you won't need any flooding. Same goes for practically anywhere around here. You could, you could easily do that. Um, I don't know if you know Pellettstown, just over there by the back of the Phoenix Park. Uh, Adamstown, Pellettstown, that area. Um, so these are these new apartments they built, and it's near the, the Royal Canal. Uh, but the Royal Canal is higher than the, the, the road here. So they put this fake river, this nature-based solution, so that if the canal overflows, it would all, it, all the water would go to there, <coughs> disappear down into the Talca, and that would be the end of that, and it would be fine. But what they didn't do is they didn't say all the pipes coming off these roofs which could just as easily also go into it, they go into the normal drain. And so they still have flooding. So what we have is, the problem is not the, the solution itself, the problem is the siloed of the thinking of the, the local authority and the planners. And, and this was a NAMA estate, you know, one of those ghost estates for a while. That's the, that's the other one that was now. That's being built now, and they have extended it through there. But then it comes to the end, and that's it. So this, you know, it's not, not literally not joined up thinking about it. Um, so what was I going to say next? Oh yeah, so this is, uh, finally then, so uh, I, I, this is a community called London Borough. This is Barking and Dagenham. If anyone's been to London, it's out where the Dagenham Works used to be. Ford Works, yeah, that direction. Just beyond the, uh, the Millennium Dome on the Docklands Light Rail. <clears throat> and it's a community, there's 87 different countries represented now all over the world, because they used to work in the works, um, but then those industries closed down. They still stayed there. So they started a whole program of building, so these are all social houses in the area. 
this ones and then these ones exist. And um, they obviously wanted to build them with sustainability in mind, because these solar panels. But they made a rule that, that the Thames just goes right past it. They said, right, you can do whatever you want, but no water, none of the water that flows from the roofs in terms of rain is allowed to go into the Thames straight away. Otherwise, you get all the pollution going into, like all the old asbestos and whatever they're built on, basically all the stuff they've got. So they designed all these different types of deliberately flooding rain gardens. Some are formal, like this one, and some are very, very informal, where they like little nature reserves. And what you can really see here is this is a deliberate, that's a lake here, but it's deliberately allowed to flood into the, into the playground, just, just to the side here. Um, and, you know, it, it, it absorbs, so none of the water flowing off this goes into the Thames straight away. It's, they call it attenuated, it's held like a dam. And then it, it gradually releases slowly, so that all the silt, all the, the, the water just sits there, and it, only the water goes in. And so this is providing a huge solution for the water quality of that river, which is used by the polluted river anyway. And they did this in conjunction with, further up was the London Olympic site, and then further up again, there was another site. So they're gradually picking their bits in their city and stopping this from happening. So soon, you know, the Thames will actually be, well, you wouldn't drink it now. It's not get that far, but you would be able to, I wouldn't swim it either, but you wouldn't, it doesn't smell as bad. <laughs> okay. So there's no miracle going to happen here, but it'll be a hell of a lot better. Um, and, and, and then just finally, so uh, this is, you know, this is the type of area it is. You've got social houses, you've got this lake, you've got this is a school here, and on the other side of the school is, is the river, and you've got this big monstrosity going through the place. So, you know, it doesn't, it, 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 you know, you don't see the nature-based solution, but there it is doing its job. Now they put in a, the community wanted a fountain put in there, um, just for the laugh, I think. I'm not quite sure. It doesn't do anything. It just sprays and makes noise. Um, and the kids throw stones at it or whatever it is. But it's, 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 it's home to quite a lot of bits of wildlife. And it's very art, like it's very structured. You know what I mean? And on a warm day, people sit there, have their beers or their, their coffee, and they just chat. And um, it's a fantastic community resource. But they don't realize, well, they do realize, because they were part of They designed it with the, the community. You know, they, they, it's actually doing a job. It's actually it's holding the water there. And as the fire people said, because the fire pressure, the water pressure is quite low in that area, if there is a big fire here, they could just drop their hose into that. The way they, you know, the lake in UCD was designed specifically for that, that, that idea. So that's your nature-based solutions. And I just want to come on to that other project that, that you mentioned at the ERC one uh, called Novel Eco, um, which is, uh, I kind of got moved on from not on, but I moved into more into looking at nature and cities in more detail, and I started asking the question: Is well, this one thing bringing nature in, new nature, you know, artificial nature, nature-based solutions? But what about the stuff that's already there? And we we know surprisingly little about what what plants are growing in the corner of your wall. You probably say, "Has no weed?" Yes, but nobody knows what the distribution of that plant is, where it came from, and so on. And so I started looking at these informal wild wild spaces. This is this is where I live, just up in the coordinates. You know, CIE works houses. Yes. That's where this is me. And they well, they stopped spraying. They just stopped spraying. They just literally COVID came along. They stopped spraying. Nothing there comes from Ireland at all. These are all you know blow-ins. I mean, in, 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 in the way they. And, and uh, there there are their own little plant refugees. You know, there's a couple of poppies in it that might possibly be originally from this part of the world, but they're just, they're, they're just, you know, in there. 
But they provide a huge amount of information to us about what the, what's going on in the city. But also, what I wanted to look at is what it is that people, like, does, how does it affect you? How does it affect people? What are your perceptions? So, um, and we are, we are currently halfway through the project. We've been doing a lot of work in, um, back here in Malta again, but also in London, in Melbourne. We have, uh, currently Natalia is in Copenhagen, uh, looking at, <laughs> she's near that incinerator, by the way, um, looking at the, um, uh, uh, there. And um, she then will be going working in Bogota in Colombia, which is where she's from. I said, oh, basically, home for Christmas, free flight, and then you can do your work there. So, you know. And um, <clears throat> I made a great stint there a couple of months ago in New York, and all the forests, fire, the smoke was in the city. And we were asking communities, um, you know, I think they, no, nobody spoke English. So I was in because I didn't understand. But Natty, thankfully, she's Spanish, so she could understand. And we were asking people what they think about nature and, and what it means to them. And we find, we're finding that. This type of thing, color and shape, can can be much more relaxing than you might think. Even though you know, oh, I've got to manage that. There are bits of weeds. I've got to dig them up. Whatever. If you just put them aside for the moment, and say, just let them grow for a moment. Let them let them do their own thing. Let them have their place here at the bottom of the wall. And I had a Spanish uh, student there doing Erasmus year all last year. She went all over um, the north part of the city. Uh, all, like uh, sorry, between uh, Thomas Street. Around that area, all the back down the back Guinnesses and the dodgy parts, God love her. And um, looking and recording all the plants that were growing along there. And we found huge diversity of species, absolutely huge. But when she was, she didn't want to be disturbed, she was very shy when she was doing her plan. People were coming, you're right, love, you get lost. And she said, she would say, no, no. And they'd say, oh, I love those plants. And people would start talking about them. And you realize that these are. What we call in, in, we're, we're calling these the, these types of ecosystems that are created by people that will never be returned to their original. We're calling them novel ecosystems. It's a very challenging and rather controversial concept in ecology. I love it because you know I don't care. I like talking about these things. And um, so these novel ecosystems, these places where there's no way it's ever going to go back to a forest that it was. It's part of a city now. So this novelty, what does it mean to people? And um, so far, we're finding some very interesting uh, perceptions. And we're finding a lot of artists are finding very interesting. We're finding a lot of communities. And we're also uh, looking at different, um, different communities in different countries, but also different people of different, have I run out of time, different ages, because this is my last slide. So that's basically what we're doing, is we're going, we're creating, I'm in the middle, almost finished an app at the moment, to allow people to take a photograph of your plant. But before you upload it, hmm? if you can name it, I think you get the gold star. No, I know the app might name it. Oh, no, no, no. no yes, I do. Actually, no, I, I have. It, well, it's going to cost a bit of printing, but you can actually try and search for the plant if you want. But I want people to try and name them first, particularly if it's a local name. It's a, if it's a, you know, some people have names for plants that they remember when they were a kid that we no longer use and that type of thing. But before you upload it, we ask about how you feel about your connectivity with nature and, you know, stress levels and so on. <coughs> so it's more of a social science. Um, experiment or uh, you know idea than it is natural science. But we, we, in doing so, we will then get a database of the plants that are growing in our cities. It's a global one that can be open to the globe, um, which has never really been done before. We don't have, we've got little studies done in small churchyards or old buildings in Germany or, you know, little small pockets or perhaps there's even ones where people have gone around, <clears throat> like the Dublin Naturalist Field Club have done the canal or they've done 
you know, Hoth Harbour or like a small little, but no one is reading randomly selected places around the city. And start looking at the, the places that you could say, God, look at that place. Someone should do something about that, get rid of all those weeds. And then before you get rid of them, let's see what they are. And let's see what they mean to people. I'm not trying to stop development. Let's have to build, you know. The plants will always find their way. Don't worry about that. They're not, you know, there are, we know there's loads of endangered species around the world. These ain't endangered. These are the, you know, these are tough. These are bullies. These are thistles. These will, these will grow in your ear if it's just still long enough. You know, there's a lot of plants. So we're not worried about them. But in among them, we're finding little nuggets, little plants. And I don't know if you know the, you know, the, the wild spaces in Trinity, there where we found an orchid growing. Just we just let it go for, for a year, and all of a sudden this big hellebore, this beautiful thing that's normally growing on sand dunes. We haven't a clue how it got there. Absolutely none. Birds. It was birds, wind, you know, or, you know, if there was a, a former person in botany who might have just gone, mm, skip the moon. <laughs> but it couldn't have been because the only one flower, if there's a fungus, is so So if it has to be, you have to do the two things. You've got to put a fungus in there, and they don't even have English names. Anyway, so that's sort of a whistle-stop tour of the type of work that I'm doing, um, but also the interest that I have in finding out more about what people think. We have a global survey of what people think about. We show some photographs, some of, you know, obviously in Chicor, because I just couldn't be bothered searching for other photographs. Um, some are people's back gardens, uh, things like that, and, or, or things growing out of people's chimneys. You know, do you know those type of things? Yeah. Yeah. Woodley and all that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and we're starting to hear an awful lot more from people that they're not really considering them uh, weedy species. They're considering them as, you know, they deserve a, a space for themselves. Um, now, the upshot of all of this will be that ultimately I should be able to show that, um, or go to the local authority and say, there's an argument here. Uh, first of all, your idea to give up spraying something, which is saving you loads and loads of money, which is great, um, is also got co-benefits. It's got different benefits to me that, that more people are, you know, I'd say, oh, this is this is this lovely growing it all by itself along here. It also gives you the gives uh, companies to say, well, can we artificially create this, um, and to make it much more much more colourful, for example, or more diverse. And now we're seeing that in roundabouts and in roadways. You see them now, you know, the round like and actually the new cycleway that goes up by Sheriff Street out to Clontarf. You see them appearing along there, little small pockets. Those are informed by people, you know local authorities, people in the, local, in, the, in the community saying, we like some of those weeds. We don't mind them. And we do have a problem with some cities where they tried to increase the nature in there is it brought animals in that they didn't want in the city in the first place. They deliberately tried to get them out because they carry diseases. So some animals like um, like, the, the, like biting midges and so on, that those type of ponds would not suit. So that pond with the, with the, the what you call it, the fountain it, they came along and they put goldfish in there because they eat the mosquito larvae. Mm -hmm. I think they put the meat just for the laugh, but they, they, they do the job for them. But, you know, so, you know, the, the more you green up a city, the more you bring nature in, but not all nature is desired. Mm -hmm. And we're okay here, but if you're in places like Calcutta or in some of the, you know, the more tropical parts of the world, where when the more nature you bring in, they have a problem, with, for example, with monkeys um, mm -hmm. that would, would, can pass on diseases. And we know that coronavirus is probably a disease that passed from an animal. Now, not, not the same way, but you know, they, they worry about that. So there are issues about things like um, zoonotic, that type of disease that comes in, or just in general, animals we don't like the look of. 
So how many people like these goals that we're all talking about? You know, all of a sudden, it gets very personal. We start talking about rats and guns and you know that type of thing. But if I was to tell you about you know some very very unusual animals that are dotting around, that's lovely. They're very cute and lovely. So when does an animal stop becoming cute and starts to become an absolute get that out of my kitchen? There's an extreme we can go to, but you know. So there's one thing we can do is we bring nature into the city. But the thing, the second thing we we have to do is bring nature back into people. So that's the idea of connecting, reconnecting with nature, connecting people back. That idea that we're separate to nature, and we feel separate to nature. That we, you know, even if we, like, I don't have anyone, if I say the word spider, is anyone run out? Yes. I have, okay, I've seen that happen, right? And I've seen, like, I just say the word, and all I need to do is I do it to my brother all the time. I just say, Gareth, there's a spider behind you. Keep going. Yeah, I know. But I, I do this for the laugh, you know what I mean? But, um, because he runs out of the pub, he can grab his pint, and he goes like, what? But that's just, the, but I mean, it's the same with a few other of the cities. Paris is an example of that, and, and Berlin. Oh, the German. Um, Vienna is, a, is a, a, a city like that. It's very old buildings. How are they going to put, and atoms, how are they going to put nature into places where literally we put a spade in the ground, it's archaeology. Mm -hmm. You can't dig. So we have to innovate. We've got to put things in mobile pots and move them around. We've got to develop ways of growing things uh, in, in um in, in structures, I just want to quickly flash back to the very first slide. I'm going to show what I mean. Yes. <clears throat> These type of things. Where we, we design this using Lego. Where everything grows in the thing, nothing grows in the ground, and you just assemble them like Lego. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can make a place like this, is Ludwigsburg, where it gets to 40 degrees in the summertime. And in that area there, it's about 33, 32 degrees. Just, and there's no roof, it just cools down. So that's all artificial. It's on top of a, a car park roof um, that, and they put some grass down recently but that's our that's that's that can be taken up and moved around so that could be around a building site for example and when the building's finished it'll be leafed or you could just change the shape of it you just take it up that's literally we, we got the idea up in Rowley's is out for a few we had a dinner for the end of the project and I said would be mad would be mad if you I also said would be mad if you put that in the back of a truck and so we've now got, um, we've got about 30 of them made that, to go around Germany and Austria, showing people what nature-based solutions are. <laughs> so that's the innovation. Anyway, that's, that's, that's the type of thing. You know, and you can, you can innovate with it. So whatever, you'll need soil. Um, so yeah, the idea is that if you had a, an, a green, you don't need a green party for this. This is just normal thinking. Uh, it, it, is, it is very, very possible. So I just want to say thank you very much. Yeah. Clearly, we could sit here all night yeah, and talk about this. There is also um, an initiative called Greening Pier Street that I'm sure at least some of you know about. So there is also work. There, there, you know, there's a group of businesses, including Trinity, anybody who has an interest in Pier Street, all actually working together with the council to try and put a plan in place to create these stepping stones, natural stepping stones for our pollinators up the street, and just to change the look and feel and sound and air quality yeah. of the street. So that work has started. You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. We have some events coming up in the centre. Tomorrow, Tuesday, 21st of November at 7pm, The Cloud Spotter by Michael J. Harnett, in association with Dublin City Council and age-friendly Dublin City and Dublin Touring Theatre. Directed by Vinnie McCabe, starring Deirdre Monaghan, Brenda Brooks and Andy Horahan, with music by Pullovers. You can contact us to reserve a seat at 01660 or email theofficeorICC at gmail.com. Tickets are free.
And the end of next week, Friday the 1st of December, the greatest show for mental health presents One Night with Tom Jones, a fundraising night for Suicide or Survive. Tickets are now available by Revolut on 087-968-5983. Tickets are €12 and the show starts at 8pm. That's all from the Community News Desk. Our thanks to Dylan Clayton for recording Dr Collier's talk. Also, my thanks to the Rick Radio crew, Adam, Ronan and Dylan on sound and editing, Leslie on admin, Jennifer on social media and Darren on the website. Take care and have a great week. 